0: Sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10:30 a.m. either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. We're continuing our series today on prayer, called "Let's Pray." We're going to focus on the ways that the Apostle Paul prayed and see what we can learn from him. So we're looking at Paul's prayer to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Here's what it says. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you, with the compassion of Christ Jesus." This is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. Have you all ever seen the show on Netflix called Nailed It?, it's a favorite, favorite show in our house. If you're not familiar with it, Nailed It is a show that um, asks people uh, who are amateur bakers, maybe that's even a little bit too strong to say they're amateur, they are beginner bakers and they ask them to make these really intricate, fancy designs of cakes or other baked goods that are just way above their pay grade. They don't give them nearly enough time to do it right. And so they end up looking terrible. In your take-home machine today, in your bulletin, I've included an example from one of the episodes. The picture on the left is the picture they were supposed to make, a little donut that looks like a pirate. It's pretty cute. The picture on the right is what they actually uh, ended up making, which looks like... um, A ghost pirate. Yeah, maybe a ghost pirate. A disaster in a floppy-looking pirate hat. They most certainly did not nail it. Uh, but it's funny. It's funny to see what they're supposed to. There's always this reveal where they show what they're supposed to have made, and then they reveal what they actually made. And what the bakers actually make is usually nowhere near as nice and crisp and presentable as the model that they were supposed to make. And they always say, nailed it. Yes, thank you, Ruth. They always say, nailed it, when in fact they did not actually nail it. But do you ever feel when you read these great eloquent prayers from Paul or other places in the scripture? These wonderful prayers for the people of God. And then you go to pray your own prayers and you feel like maybe your prayer is the nailed it version of the the prayer that you're supposed to be praying. (laughs) Like you can try as hard as you can, but I'm never going to write or say a prayer that is anywhere near as eloquent as what Paul prayed for the Philippians. And I'm not just talking about, you know, using eloquent words, but even the concepts in this prayer are stuff that usually I don't even think to pray about. Let's look at some of the elements here. Paul's praying with joy, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for you. Now, Paul wrote this prayer and this whole letter from prison. I don't know about you, but if I was in prison for the gospel, it might be hard for me to muster up joy as I prayed for all of my friends who got to walk free. I might be feeling resentment or jealousy, all kinds of stuff. Probably not joy, though. But Paul is praying constantly with joy in every one of his prayers. This is probably bad for a preacher to admit, but like generally, I don't associate prayer with joy. Right? It kind of feels like a a chore sometimes. I I don't generally approach my chores with joy. Why not? Why can't I pray with joy? Then you go and read, and you read about the affection that he has. He has affection for the Philippians. I mean, it's just obvious he loves these folks. He has so much affection going on for them. But he also has affection for God. He is praying in an emotional way that that is is just kind of emoting all the things he feels for these people and for God. Once again, if you're viewing prayer as a chore, then affection probably isn't going to come easy. Why can't I pray with affection? And then, Paul prays with confidence. In 6, he says, I am confident in this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Why can't I pray with confidence? I'm usually hedging my bets when I pray. I don't know if you've ever prayed like this. You know, you say, oh, Jesus, if it's your will and you want to do it, then please heal my friend. But if not, that's okay. You know, it's like we're hedging our bets with God. That that we're almost even scared to ask God for what we want because we're worried that it's not going to happen. We're so worried that it's not going to happen that we're... We're not praying with any amount of confidence. And then, like, the stuff he's asking for in this prayer is stuff that I'm not usually even top of mind thinking about. He's asking for love, for knowledge, for righteousness. He's asking for stuff that's hard to measure for the Philippians. I don't know about you, but that's not usually the stuff that I'm asking God for when I'm praying. So why can't I pray like Paul? Why is it that Paul's over here praying with joy and affection and confidence? He's praying for love and affection and and righteousness and knowledge for his people. And and I'm over here just saying, well, God, help so-and-so. God, help me to be better, I guess. Maybe it's because Paul wasn't going through the same stuff that I'm going through. Well, that's probably not true. Paul's going through a lot worse stuff. I'm not in prison, so I don't have that excuse of, of circumstances. Maybe it's because Paul didn't have to pray for the kinds of problems that I happen to pray for. He's probably praying for worse problems than me. Maybe it's because Paul was just generally a better human being than I am. Maybe it's because Paul just has like some kind of spiritual relationship with God that is foreign to me. I don't think that's true. Paul had the same Holy Spirit that I've got. Paul had problems too. He was a murderer before he was a Christian. He's not like inherently better than me. And I want to give you this one caveat here. I, I don't think comparison is the way to go. I don't think we need to be comparing ourselves and our prayer lives to Paul or anybody else. right? Paul's prayer life is his. My prayer life is mine. And so comparison is a thief of joy. So I don't want us to always go around comparing ourselves with other people, even people in Scripture. But when I read Paul's prayer, it makes me realize... I've got some room to improve in my prayer life. I've got some, some space for, where I'm not praying to my full potential. So what's standing between me and that improvement? What's getting in the way? I think that the reason that I am not praying like Paul is because Paul viewed prayer different than I tend to view prayer. Somehow along the way, I've started to view prayer as a transactional thing. Prayer has become a transaction that I'm making between me and God. Right? I want something. God has the power to help me get the thing that I want. So I'm asking God to use his power on my behalf and make this transaction where I give God my prayers and God gives me X, Y, or Z. And it's a transactional relationship between me and God. I don't see anything transactional about the way Paul is praying in Philippians. Paul is not making a transaction with God, he is building a relationship with God. I'm praying transactionally, Paul's praying relationally. I'm praying transactionally, Paul is praying spiritually. And you know what, it's scary to be, to be outright spiritual sometimes, even, even between me and God. There's a vulnerability to the spiritual dimension of prayer that I do not enjoy. I don't like putting myself out there, even if it's for God. I mean, yeah, Paul's asking God for things, but he's asking God for things like joy and perseverance. He's not asking for a transaction. He is pursuing transformation. He's interceding on behalf of the Philippians for God to transform them. Somehow along the way, in my prayer life, confessionally, I have gone from a relationship with God to a transaction with God. Now I'm the kind of guy who, I don't mind a little bit of a transactional relationship sometimes. this is, this is probably horrible. You're probably going to think I'm the worst person after this. But you know what I don't enjoy? I don't enjoy it when a waiter or waitress at a restaurant gets too chummy with me. And this is probably bad. But, but like, I, I don't want to necessarily chat with you about my day. I, we have a transaction to make. I want food and I have money. I give you money, you give me food. That's the end of it. I don't need to know your life story. I don't need to chat about it. I'm sorry. That makes me horrible, I know. I'm supposed to be a preacher and love everybody, but when I'm at the restaurant, it's a transactional thing for me. I'm working on it. Somehow, my prayer life has gotten in seasons like this. You know, I'm not here to chat with God. I want I want healing. I want to God, to take something away from my life. I, I'm, I'm here with a prayer. God, you breathe you the power, and then we can move on with our day. That is not how Paul prays. Paul is looking for transformation. He's looking for relationship. He is looking for a spiritual thing to happen. Paul saw prayer as a spiritual reality. He saw the good work that God was doing in the Philippian church. And he was joining with God and praying for God to keep that spiritual work up. It's not about Paul getting what Paul wanted. It's about Paul wanting what God wanted for the Philippians. And then praying for that. Paul is praying in this relational way. He doesn't want to get something. He wants to grow and he wants the Philippians to grow in Christ. His prayer is is all about the relationship between Paul and God, between the Philippians and God, and then about Paul and the Philippians. He is building relationship on all three of those levels in his prayer. It's not about getting what he wants. It's about building that relationship on all three of those dimensions. It's the relationship stuff that's important. And so then he can be confident in his prayers, because he's confident in God. He's confident in that God is building this relationship with him. And the, the more he gets to know God <coughs> excuse me. And the more he submits himself to God, the more confident he can be that God is going to be good, and God is going to take care of the Philippians, and God's going to take care of him. That's where his confidence comes from. He's confident in the work that God is doing already, not the work that Paul wants God to do on his behalf. That's why Paul can pray with joy even while he's in prison. He can pray with affection for difficult people because he is engaging in the spiritual reality, not a transactional reality. He can pray with confidence in uncertain times because God is doing something. God's doing a work in him and God's doing a work in Philippi. And he's attuned to that work that God is doing because his relationship with God is so solid. Too often in my life, I've engaged in prayer as a transaction, not as a spiritual act. I've been engaged in prayer as a transaction not as a relational act. It's almost like I'm scared to engage my emotions and my spirituality in prayer because I'm worried I'll be disappointed. Like I'm embarrassed if I, if I dare emote to God because then God will know that I'm a emotional person. I don't know, God already knows that, but it's like, I, I, I don't wanna let that crack. I'm embarrassed <laughs> a lot of times you hear about about young people these days and they say well I'm spiritual but not religious it's their excuse for not going to church right I'm, I'm spiritual I'll go commune with God by the lake or something but I'm not I'm not religious I don't go to church but I'm worried that I'm heir on the other side that I become religious but not spiritual <laughs> I'll be religious, I'll go through the motions, I'll do the things, but I'm not connecting with God in my prayer life on the spiritual level, on this relational level. We don't grow in our other relationships in life by holding back all of the stuff we feel, all the stuff that makes us uncomfortable. We grow in our relationships by sharing and by being honest and trusting the other person with our vulnerability, and it's no different from God. We don't grow in our prayer lives by holding back, by transaction. We grow through relationship. So prayer is a spiritual act. Prayer is a relational act. And I think it's time for us to treat it like that. Let's become aware of the spiritual work that God is doing in those around us and in our own hearts. And let's start asking God for that good stuff. Let's start worrying about patience and righteousness as much as we worry about those who are sick and sad. Let's allow ourselves to expre- express our affection in prayer for God and for others. Let's be confident that the good God that we know and worship is gonna do good stuff for us. Let's lean on God to come through to complete the good work that he began in us and to grow us through relationship. Let's get out of this transactional mode and move into a relational mode and a spiritual mode. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I confess that too long, I have settled for a transactional prayer life. and you want so much more for me than that. God, you want us to pray with affection. You want us to have joy when we approach you. We want us to be confident. You want us to grow in relationship with you and other people by prayer. God, I pray that you will give us all the things that Paul prayed for the, the Philippians. I pray that our love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help us to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ, we may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ from the glory and praise for God. I pray those things for us. I pray that we will come to you in prayer so that you will build us up. God, help us to trust you enough to show that affection. Help us not be embarrassed, but to come to you out of love. God, crack the, the ice that is our heart sometimes and give us more of you. Help us, God. Help us. We need your help. Give us that deeper, next-level prayer that we so desperately need. Be with us this week, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. In your, uh, this is going to be uncomfortable, in your take-home sheets today, I put a little exercise. It says five, five minutes where you can get alone with God and then get as quiet as you can and spend five minutes to pray without asking God for anything. And see how that experience goes. It might be uncomfortable, but let's pray without a transaction. Let's not ask God. Let's spend some time with God in prayer without asking. And then after that five minutes is over, ask for whatever you want. It's fine. We don't have to stop asking God for things altogether. But let's grow ourselves outside of that and see what happens.